Turn to Colossians 3, 20 and 21. Christ-filled parenting. Watch out. (laughs) Watch out. Christ-filled parenting. My hometown of Quincy, Florida is about as Mayberry-ish as any little town that you could find. And it seemed like uh, everybody knew everybody in this little town. seemed like everybody's kin to everybody in this little town. But one thing for certain is that we prided ourselves on being friendly. If you came to town, we wanted to know who you were. We wanted to, to speak to you. We were going to be hospitable. Well, in my little town, in my little home church, First Presbyterian Church of Quincy, Florida, every summer we get a, a ministerial intern, you know, that would, would come and, and live in a, in a house that was designated by the church for, for, for them to kind of come and grow in the ministry. And, and I want you to know, you know, being one of the youth, and, and our church wasn't known for its youth ministry at all, but uh, a, lot of, a lot of these were younger guys that came in, and so I really enjoyed the ministerial interns growing up, except for this particular family uh, that I did not enjoy at all. We could not wait for them to leave. The minister in training and his family moved into a house that was really not that far from my house, and I'll I'll never forget the, the day they moved in at dinner my mother and my father, and we were talking about this ministerial intern, and she announced to me that the next day I was going to walk up the hill. I was going, he was 11 and I was 11. I was going to make friends with the ministerial intern's son, and I was going to play with him the next day after school. There were no options. Well, sure enough, uh, next day after school, I was dropped off, and there my mother was waiting to send me off as an ambassador of Quincy Hospitality. And so I made my way up the hill and quite a little distance, uh, maybe about a half a mile or so. And, you know, small town, you just kind of walk anywhere you want to go and everybody's watching you anyway, so nothing's going to happen to you. Or at least something happened to you that your parents will be told your demise (laughs) because somebody saw it. Walked up onto the little porch of the White House, rang the doorbell, and he answered the door. His name was Malcolm, and he was, it seemed, glad to see me. His mother walked up behind him, and I could tell she was particularly glad to see me. And so I walked into that house, but I did not realize that when the door shut behind me, I had just entered the twilight zone. Things just seemed so upside down in that house. The first thing that happened is is Malcolm turned and, and got into it with his mother and was so disrespectful. I mean... I was a visitor, you know, I was just introduced to them and and here he is just popping off at his mother and overhearing their interaction, it made me realize that the 11-year-old was either in charge of that house or trying to be in charge of that house. By the way, kids know these things. Well, he said, let's go. And we ran around the corner Into his room, he shut the door, and there in his room, I heard things I had never heard before. Nor shall I repeat them this morning, because they would be very inappropriate for church. 
And there I saw one of the most amazing sights I have ever seen from that time until now. Malcolm had a little Boston Bulldog, you know, the little kind of Churchill-faced looking little Bulldogs that have the, the teeth that jut out on the bottom. Uh, kind of cute, if ugly, kind of, kind of ugly cute type of little dog. And he snatched up that little dog and said, watch this. And he put his teeth in between the pad of that dog's paw and his, and his claws and just bit down harder and harder. The dog literally was just saying, almost speaking, please let me go, please let me go, while his paw was out there. This little boy was sadistic. And then he would bounce the dog on the bed like a basketball, and then he'd grab him and bite him again. This is the preacher's kid. I was stunned. And I'm going to be honest with you, 11 years old, I was kind of scared. And on the way out of his room, he disrespected his mother again. She seemed a little embarrassed, but did not set the situation right. Let me tell you, in my house, a visitor comes in my door, and I disrespect my mama or my daddy. You do that once. Not in this house. Well, I found an excuse to leave. And I got home a lot quicker. Then I got to that house, and I'm going to tell you something. I was never more glad to leave a place than I was to escape that house. And as I entered my own home, the world just seemed to tip right side up again. I could just take a deep breath. Because it was the first time that I truly realized how important the discipline of my parents really was. I wasn't any angel. I was a kind of an earnest little boy and somewhat sincere, but I was no angel. I went through my stages, as, as we parents call it. But in Malcolm, I saw for the first time up close what I could be like without discipline. I hated to admit to myself that it was a good thing that my parents loved me enough to, to train me. It was a good thing that my parents loved me enough to keep their hand on me, to, to guide me and, and to discipline me. Well, my mama tried to get me to go back up there again, but when I told her about the teeth and the, and the pad, she let it go. <laughs> I think if I asked her about it today, she'd probably like, I'm so sorry I sent you into that situation. Malcolm provided, uh, proved rather, to be a terror both in the home, in the church, and outside of the church. I don't know where he is today. I, uh, in preparation for this sermon, thinking about him, wondered, prison comes to mind. <laughs> Raising children is just one of the most wonderful, awesome, difficult, panic-inducing... <laughs> Hard things that God will ever call anyone to do. Isn't that true, parents? It's, but it's so fulfilling. And it is relentless. But don't we love them? Bless their hearts. <laughs> One of the themes of Colossians is the theme of fullness in Christ. Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says, For in Christ the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given that 
fullness in Christ. Christ is the fullness. You have been given fullness in Christ. And Paul is speaking this morning about how through Jesus that that fullness, that blessing, that joy, that fulfilling life comes into our family relationships. And particularly between children and their parents. I want us to look at fullness with children. Yes, it is possible. And fullness through parents this morning. Fullness with children is verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. You know, you go to Ephesians 5, you've got a lot more details on these family relationships, and we'll toggle over there in a minute. I kind of like Colossians, that it's just right there. It's very short, very sweet, very clear. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. There is a wonderful fullness that comes with children. And even more, when children follow their parents. When children work with their parents, when children obey their parents. In fact, the the Greek word for obey here literally means an inferior giving obedience to a superior. Now, why is that important? Because all of that grace and truth of Jesus flowed last week, remember, into marriage. And this had the idea of two equals and a wife giving willing submission. Not an inferior to a superior. Willing submission for the sake of Jesus because of her relationship with Christ. And a husband loving his wife for the sake of Christ. Like Christ laid down his life for the church. This is not that situation. This is a superior and an inferior And children are to obey their superior. The word literally means to listen under. That's a great great picture, isn't it? Because children, if you want to obey your parents, then the beginning point is a heart that's willing to listen to them, to be under them, to, to listen to them in order to obey them. This passage means for our kids, when your parents tell you to do something, you do it. And when your parents tell you not to do something, you don't do it. The Word of God to you, young people in this room. Now, if it crosses Scripture and crosses your conscience, then you are not responsible to obey your parents outside of Scripture and conscience. Remember how we say in our church there are no junior Christians? If you're a visitor this morning, we're glad you're here. We talk a lot about that. We don't see a distinction between our kids and the adults. We feel like there aren't any junior Christians. Those aren't just our daughters and sons. Those are our brothers and sisters in Christ as well. What that means is is we don't kind of separate them in the sense that they kind of get the Word of God light because, you know, they can't handle it at this age and... And they don't really want the Bible anyway, so we have to be really cool and hip and all this to make sure that their attention is captured, whatever. No, we don't have junior Christians. We preach to our children. We teach our children. One of the great things we do when we call a staff member of this church is we ask, can that person teach? It's the same with Paul. 
You know, when Paul sent this letter to the church at Colossae, you know what they did? You know, you're supposed, to, you're supposed to read it out loud. Don't you find this interesting that he's reading to all these adults and he gets to this verse 20, children, obey your parents in everything for this is pleasing to the Lord. What does that tell you about the children? They were there. They were expected to hear the letter of Paul in its first reading just like the adults. And Paul is so clear and the Holy Spirit is so clear. Children, obey your parents in everything and this, for this is pleasing to the Lord. And so for our, our children in here this morning, this is directly to you. Unmediated, just directly to you from God himself. We're talking about the town meeting and just how exciting it was to be here Sunday night and to think about our future together as a covenant community. The architects that led that meeting uh, in, in a subsequent meeting with church leaders and staff, they told us they had never been in a church that was as seamless with children and adults as this church. They were blown away how easily the young people could talk just as, as much. Were y'all blown away by that? I'm so proud of our young people in that meeting. If you were here, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, they were just, they were, they, they just could not get over how comfortable and how fully participating our young people were. So the word of God is children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And your parents do love you, and they know what is best for you. Bless their hearts. There's only about eight children here, and you're getting a lot of uh, looking at <laughs> you're staring at this morning by the preacher. I've already located my children. But hey, we got we to do it, right? Because it's, it's God's word to you, and be, and be thankful for that. Your parents know what is best for you. They are God's provision, and this is how fullness comes home. Fullness in Jesus. Proverbs 23, 22. Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. A, the father of a righteous child has great joy. A man who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. May your father and your mother rejoice. May she who gave you birth be joyful. Another scripture is Ephesians chapter 5, 6, 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. And the promise is given by Paul that it may go well with you and you might enjoy long life on the earth. Yes, this is God providing parents for you. And when your parents love the Lord and they bring God's word and his grace to you. God blesses that it might be right with you in your obedience, that you might live long on the earth. How important is this? Fifth commandment. God's top ten. Honor your father and your mother. It means to respect them. In our text, it means to have a good attitude of, of reverence and, and, a, and a heart that wants to obey them. And look, what happens when we aren't trained by our parents? Malcolm. Horrible habits, sinful, selfish, me-centered living. I mean, un 
Parenting that does not check the selfish heart of a child, and we're all selfish. But these folks are coming into the world learning all this for the first time, right? And they learn it at our hands. Yeah, it can literally hurt their lives, literally shorten their lives. And if you don't respect your parents, young people, it will not go well with you. It will not. Parents aren't really looking for a perfect obedience in their children. They're looking for the right attitude. Is that right, parents? Kind of a right attitude, a, a framework of respect, a heart to obey. We know that our children are going to blow it. We know that our children are going to be all over the highway, right? But hey, where is their heart? That's what we want to know. And a, and a heart of respect and a heart of want to, even though it's struggling, just like we do with God and with one another. We can handle that. But God loves you too much, young people. Your parents love you too much to let you just grow up being an, a rebellious brat. They love you too much. And it is, not, it is exhausting to parent. And it will hurt your life if you don't obey. Because your parents really do, above all people, particularly if they love the Lord, they do know what's best for you. Your parents did bring you into this world by God's agency. They have more experience than you. They have walked the pathway before you. They love you more than anyone else in the whole world. I know sometimes we lose sight of that fact because it's like the sandpaper of, of maturity and that process of growth and there's pushback and, and part of that is how we grow too, right? But they love you more than anybody in the world. They want you to succeed in every way more than anybody else. They have your best interest in heart. And I'm going to tell you, one day when you marry, you're going, to have a first, you're going to have a love that's higher than the love for your parents. And they're going to want you to love your wife or your husband greater than you love them. But I'm going to tell you, when, you, when, you, when they throw the rice or whatever they throw these days and you get in the car and you ride off, your parents will still love you. And they will keep on loving you for the rest of your life. So honor them. Respect them the way you speak to them. And may I say, the way you speak about them. Do not slander your parents. Don't be one of these people that's just cooking up all these problems through stubbornness and blaming it all on your parents. It's been pointed out that uh, you can tell a lot about a young people watching them talk on a cell phone. Watch, somebody, watch a young people talk to his or her parents on a cell phone. Note the tone of voice. Note the eyes, whether they're rolling or not. Now, every kid's going to struggle. But you know what I'm talking about. And I'm going to tell you, probably one of, the rare, one of the greatest blessings of this life, and I have seen this, I have witnessed this right here in this church, is to overhear a conversation between a child and an adult or between children when they are speaking positively about their own parents. To their peers! Wow! Amazing. That, that's when the fullness is coming home, you see. And this is an issue of the Lordship of Christ, isn't it? Obey your parents and everything. Why? For this pleases the Lord. 
This pleases the Lord, the Lord Jesus. When Jesus was 12 years old, his parents took him down to Jerusalem to the Passover. They were in a big caravan from their little Mayberry town called Nazareth. Uh, the, the whole town, they got, they got back in their caravan. To, to, they were tailgating at, at Jerusalem for, 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 for a whole week. And they, they got back in their caravan to go back home. Three days into the journey, they noticed Jesus wasn't with them. He was 12 years old and he was in the capital city somewhere presumably alone. So Mary and Joseph break off from the caravan. Can you imagine how, how long those three days were, for, particularly for Mary? And they look all around Jerusalem. They don't go to the place where they, he says they should have gone first. Finally, they go to the temple, and there he is, 12 years old. He's with the teachers of the law. He is, the text says, and, and, and this is in Luke 2, he is listening to them and he is answering questions and they are amazed at the learning of this 12-year-old. Well, yes, the Son of God. And his parents find him and it kind of goes like this. How could you do this to us? We've been looking for you for three days. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Whoa, that's not Joseph. <laughs> my father's house in Luke 2.51. Are you getting the sense that even at 12, we're seeing that Jesus is different? We don't know the mystery of how Jesus grows in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Let's just set that aside. But Luke 2.51, hear these words, particularly the young people in the room. Then they went down to Nazareth, excuse me, then he went down to Nazareth with them and he was obedient to them. The Son of God went home and was obedient to his parents. You know why? Because the fifth commandment says, honor your father and your mother. You know why? Because it is pleasing to the Lord. Young people, you, if you ever want to know how you can please God, if you ever, if you ever want to know how, how, how your life can be pleasing to God, here's where you start. With your parents. And it will go well with you. So Christ's fullness comes home when, when children get under and listen to and obey, work with their parents. But that's only half the equation, isn't it? We have the fullness now through parents. Verse 21, fathers do not embitter, exasperate your children or they will become discouraged. You see, there's the other thing. We, 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 we need for you to obey the parents. We need for you to lead well and not discourage your children. It is our responsibility, parents, to discipline our children. God himself we read in Hebrews 12, 6, disciplines those whom he loves and accepts them as sons, right? So if our Heavenly Father accepts us as his child and, be, and the, one of the marks of his great love for us is his discipline, we have to take responsibility to discipline our children. Probably the most famous verse on child discipline is Proverbs thirteen twenty four: He who spares the rod hates his son. But he who loves him carefully disciplines him. See, if you love your children, 
you will not only discipline, that you will carefully discipline them. A few years ago, um, I, I got a book recommendation by somebody in the church. Reed Hogan actually called on the phone and said, I'm reading this great book. Some of y'all know Reed. He, he's out doing a, a residency or something in Dallas. We get him back, I think, in two years or something like that. Um, he said, you, Joseph, I've got to recommend a book for you. He's got all daughters. I have all daughters. It's called, and if you've got daughters, this would be a great book to write down, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters by Meg Meeker, who's an MD. Strong, strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. And the book was outstanding. And I want to read to you a, a quote from this book. She says, Remember that when your daughter pushes hard against your rules, flailing, crying that you are mean and unfair, she is really asking a question. Am I worth the fight, Dad? Make sure the answer to her is yes. So, will we keep leading and disciplining our children? Or will we just kind of check out like lots of parents are doing? Check out to their peril. Check out to your own chaotic situation that will be developing right under your nose. Check out when you no longer truly love them passionately. Am I not worth the fight, Dad? I'm just a kid. I'm not perfect. Paul says, look, we've got to discipline them. But here it is. Don't make them bitter. Grab hold of them. Love them. Bring your love and the, your grace, That the love and grace. This is how fullness comes home. It is God's grace coming through you to your children, to my children. Don't embitter them. Don't exasperate them by the way we do discipline. Don't have a totalitarian regime that just pops people when they get out of line. No, the word here literally means to provoke them, to fan them into a flame, like a, a bellows on a spark of the sin nature. That we, we're blowing the spark of selfishness. We're causing problems in our discipline. It means to not be a constant irritation to our children. You know, it's exhausting to live with a disobedient child. I'm going to tell you something. It's just as exhausting to live with an exasperating parent who doesn't know when to stop. Doesn't know when to stop. Doesn't give any grace. Yeah, that's just what you want to live with, right? But you're so afraid they're going to get out of line that you obey God, and we obey God in disciplining them, but we... Bring an extra measure of austerity and hard measures just to make sure they don't get out of our line. And that is where we have crossed the line. Because we have forgotten love and it's all about the rules. Just the way God Almighty does not treat us in His grace. The Word of God says, mark it down parents, they will become discouraged. They will. One scholar puts it this way, and I just I saw these words and I thought, you know, I've got to read this. Some parents use their words like a harsh acid bath 
to keep scouring and cleaning up their kids. Would you like to take an acid bath? Yeah, you'll be clean. No, thank you. God is not like that with us. He is not looking for perfect service or, or he'll harp and harp and... No, no, he keeps loving with us and keeps working with us in our imperfections, does he not? He keeps forgiving our sins. God looks on the heart. God is about shaping and molding us, not just being totalitarian. He is the supreme ruler over all. Check. He is not a bully, banana republic dictator. And neither should we be as parents. You and I must bring the love that Christ gives us to our children. Let's put it this way. Parents are to train their children to obey and to make it easy to obey. You catch that last part? Make it easier to obey because of the way we treat them. Because we will be held responsible. For the way we treat these kids. I'm I'm going to share something that was not pleasant for me to learn this very week. I have one child that at times in her life, because of the pushback, I, and I realized it this week, like in Technicolor, I have used too much sarcasm with that child. I won't say this in the second service. And I'm going to repent my child for the way I've treated her. John Piper says, the most important question a father can ask is not what shall I teach my children, but rather who am I before the living God before my children? How am I with my children? Not just what I say. James Dobson, in the groundbreaking book, Dare to Discipline, which I think I must have read five times. I see some nodding. Uh, When my children were younger, our children were younger. says, parents cannot require their children to treat them with dignity when they don't treat their children with dignity. A father who is sarcastic, ouch, and biting in his criticism of children cannot expect to receive genuine respect from them in return. His offspring may fear him enough to conceal their contempt, but revenge, I love this, will often be sought in adolescence. (laughs) Okay, I'll take it now. It's coming back. I'm back. (laughs) It is recorded that the great reformer Martin Luther's father was so stern that Luther found it hard to pray these words, Our Father. To him, the word father meant severity. Another great reformer, particularly in our tradition, John Calvin, who along with his wife, Idolette, had their only child die in infancy, wrote these words out of their pain. Children are to be fondly cherished when God gives them to you. Fondly cherished when we show the love of Christ to them while taking responsibility to teach them, that is when the fullness comes home. Parents are not 
police. I'll tell you what we are. We're grace bearers, truth bearers, and we are world makers. Do not listen to the culture saying, oh yeah, yeah, you're just a parent, you're just a mom. Yeah, 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 the important things happen out here, but oh yeah, 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 you're a mom, you're a dad, so what? We are world makers, and through our loving, gracious discipline, we are shaping the next generation of believers, right? Does that fire you up? Let's get a vision for this thing. What a blessing. What a ministry. Matthew Henry states, It is by the tenderness of parents and the dutifulness of children that God supplies His church with the seed to serve Him and propagates the faith from age to age. That's how it works. In the most important transaction on earth, the the procreation and and the extending of the race through childbirth and child-rearing in the truth of, of Christ and in the grace of Christ so that a new generation will rise up and take the keys. Hey, we're going to build this building. We're going to give the keys if Christ tarries to them. We are worshiping right now, and particularly in the second service. We will be worshiping with the future leaders of this church. Right here in our midst, right here in our midst, are the standard bearers of Jesus Christ for the kingdom of God after we are gone. That's a beautiful thing. I was at Malcolm's house And I saw for the first time the real benefit, a kind of click, you know, saw the real benefit of my parents' discipline. And I saw not only the the fact that they were keeping me from harm, but I saw that they loved me greatly. And they wanted the best for me. And frankly, it made me, as much as a child can be made to see this, it made me want to obey them. And though I forgot this lesson when I was 15, and beyond, because I could be quite a jerk in those eight, those years. But I tell you, in the years since, it has been a sweet memory that has flooded my heart, and to this day floods my heart with gratitude to those two extraordinary people who gave their hours and their days towards shaping and correcting me. They not only led me, they loved me. What about you? This is how the fullness of Christ comes home. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Parents, fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Let's pray. Lord, would you help us to connect with your truth and your grace in such a way that we are revived in our hearts and in our, the transforming of our minds and renewing of our minds, that the parents could be chefs of God's Word, that the parents could embody the grace of Jesus, And show 
what it looks like in reality, that the parents could repent and, and strike deep intimacy in relationship with another person that matters, our children. Lord, would you cause the children to want to walk with you, see your great love for them, not only in Christ, but in their parents. Would you cause them, Lord, to want to work with their parents, to obey their parents, and to grow, and Lord, would you be pleased to raise yet another generation faithful to your covenant here, faithful to your gospel, and willing to take the keys, sacrificially love and serve you, and love and teach their children.